Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. In the second half of today's show, we're going to talk about the upcoming Mid-Atlantic Congress, which trains pastoral leaders all around the Mid-Atlantic region to be better at their ministries. But first, we're going to talk with Greg Erlinson, Director and Editor-in-Chief of Catholic News Service, about the upcoming meeting of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, which will be held in Baltimore next week. Greg, welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. It's great to be here. So we've got several major things that are going to be happening at this uh, bishops' meeting, but one of the most important things is going to be the election of a new president for the conference. What's that election looking like it's going to shape up to be? Well, uh, it, normally these elections are, are fairly predictable, even though they will always tell you that they there's an unpredictable element to them. Normally the vice president uh, will become the president, assuming uh, there, there's not any sort of uh, either problem with him or, or some other movement on the floor. So if uh, past practice uh, holds true, then uh, Archbishop Gomez of Los Angeles, who's currently the vice president of the conference, will become the president for the next three years. And this is uh, really significant. He'll be the first uh, Latino, the first uh, Hispanic archbishop or bishop to become president of the conference. And at a time when the Hispanic portion of the Catholic population continues to grow with at nearly 40% now, 60% of uh, Catholics under the age of 18, uh, I think having Archbishop Gomez as president will be a dramatic signal to the seriousness and support for that community that the church has. And the Archdiocese of Los Angeles is huge, right? I mean, several million Catholics. It's the second largest in the country. Is that correct? I think it's the largest, and, and it's uh, and it is uh, indeed huge. It's where I grew up, and and I sometimes wonder why they don't um, break it up into chunks because it it stretches um, all the way from the top of Orange County all the way up to to Santa Barbara, which, if you were driving that, um, would be a good uh, two two and a half hours um, across. So it's a huge. Uh, Archdiocese. They celebrate Mass in, in more than 40 languages. So we'll have an Archbishop who will be um, prepared and has been prepared in dealing with a great deal of diversity within the Church. The other the other aspect of Archbishop Gomez's biography that's so interesting is that he is an immigrant. So he's, in a, he's a U.S. citizen, uh, but grew up in Monterey, Mexico. So that he brings a, a whole other um, uh, perspective uh, as well to uh, issue, which is much debated in our country. Mm-hmm. One of the other big issues that's going to be coming up is the third-party reporting system for allegations against bishops, especially either sexual misconduct or negligence in handling allegations of sexual misconduct. That policy that process was voted on by the bishops in June after the Pope issued a motu proprio in May that said that every diocese, every bishop's conference in the world had to have something like this by May of 2020. How is that process shaping up? 
I think they're still uh, working uh, on the details of it. I believe they're going to be filling in the bishops about the process. Uh, what's interesting, as you know, coming from, from the Archdiocese of Baltimore, there's been reforms instituted in Baltimore and in Boston and in other locations where there's been some sort of third-party reporting system uh, implemented already. This system that the bishops as a whole are working on is not intended to replace those systems, but but will either supplement them or, uh, more importantly, in many parts of the country where there is no third-party reporting system, it, it will function. And the notion will be that it will be a place where people can call if they have concerns about the bishop, either the sitting bishop or a previous bishop, and, and it's very much focused in that area. And the notion is, is that the, and the complexity of the system is that if a complaint is called in, then the the metropolitan or the archbishop for that region will be notified. If the complaint was about that archbishop, then it would go to whoever the senior bishop is in that um, particular region. So it's there's a, there's a some degree of complexity to it, which explains what's taking them a little while to negotiate this contract and to work out um, all the deal uh, all the details that will be um, have to worked out. Right. You mentioned the system that we already have in place here that Archbishop Lori and the auxiliary bishops here put into place last January. That system, if an allegation against a, one of our bishops comes in, it is forwarded immediately to two lay members of the Independent Review Board, neither of whom are employed by the diocese. Both are retired judges. One of them is not even Catholic, and they're the ones who determine if it's credible and if it should then be referred to the nuncio and or if it's of criminal nature, if it needs, you know, they would they would then report that to uh, criminal authorities, civil authorities. So there's a system in place here, and one hopes that the the national system will be as comprehensive as that. I think I think those are some of the details that they'll probably be discussing during the November meeting. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that we want to uh, look at is the faithful citizenship. Every Four years or so, right, well, usually a year before a presidential election, the U.S. bishops take a look at a document that's called Faithful Citizenship, and it's really about calling Catholics especially, but people of all goodwill, to understand all of the issues that go into electing civil officials in local, state, regional, national races. How is Faithful Citizenship looking for this year? So the bishops have decided that the document, basically the same document that they had four years ago, they're they're going to uh, stay with um, that document. They feel that it addresses the issues that that need to be addressed. It talks about um, Catholic teachings. It talks about uh, prudential judgment and discerning um, how one can vote in in the context of of Catholic teaching. What they'd like to do is find a way to get the word out on, on this document and on what um, uh, the church is, is suggesting in that area. So they will be doing, they'll be voting on a letter and then four short video scripts for this time. And the, the, the hope is, is that the videos, which, which are supposed to be succinct summaries of elements of the faithful citizenship document, uh, will be uh, made available, and then the letter will will go out. Uh, most likely, will be made available to all dioceses and 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 parishes so that they can distribute that as well. 
I think the idea that they're hoping is that they can get people to either see one of these uh, or, or all of these uh, videos, read a summary of the document, or see the document itself. And I think particularly when we're having these national election years, it's important for Catholics to have a have a good understanding of sort of what the church teaching is and and how they can approach the the issues uh, in the voting booth. The bishops' conference is looking at also trying to maybe remove some of the vitriol from this discussion over the next twelve months. What's that look like? Well, that, that's a it's a really interesting program that they're trying to launch. It's one that was originally uh, started in 2016 in the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. The, the hope is uh, that it's called Civilize It, and it's a campaign that's actually starting now. It's one year ahead of the national election, and uh, the hope is that they can sort of tone down the vitriol and and the anger uh, that, that tends to characterize a lot of our political discussion. So uh, with this campaign, there's a, a three-part pledge that they're going to ask Catholics to do. One is to respect civility. Uh, the second is to root their political views in the gospel and a well-formed conscience. Uh, and the third is to encounter others with compassion. So those are the the three sort of building blocks of of civilize it, and of course it 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 fits in well with the faithful citizenship document because that whole idea too is to root in church teaching and a well formed conscience uh, what Catholics uh, should be concerned about uh, in terms of the issues. So what's happening is the U.S. Bishops Conference is preparing materials that, that are going to help sort of guide people through basically a kind of an examination of conscience so that they can understand the issues and then understand their, where they stand and where other people stand that who may disagree with them. And I think the hope is, however um, naive it can seem at times, is that we can really affect how people are talking with each other. And I think what we've noticed increasingly in recent years is even families are being divided, parishes are being divided. And so the hope is is that a campaign like Civilize It can sort of call us back to, to our better angels. It won't be that we'll all, dis- uh, all agree on everything, but that we can discuss our, our disagreements and our um, political positions in a civil manner. That would be a lovely thing to see. A lot more positive <laughs> and ne- less negative. Well, we've been talking today with Greg Erlinson, who is Director and Editor-in-Chief of Catholic News Service, about the upcoming U.S. Catholic Bishops Meeting that is going to be held right here in Baltimore, November 10th through the 14th. Thanks so much for being with us today, Greg. You're most welcome, Chris. And coming up after the break, we're going to learn about the upcoming Mid-Atlantic Congress, which happens in early 2020. You're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. In celebration of the 50th anniversary of the priestly ordination of Pope Francis, Archbishop William E. Lurie encourages Catholics from throughout the Archdiocese to contribute to a special spiritual bouquet that the Archbishop will present to the Pope in December. The spiritual bouquet will take the form of a book produced by the Archdiocese of Baltimore that will include prayers and brief reflections from Catholics about the ways they, their parishes, schools, and organizations live out the Pope's priorities in the areas of evangelization, welcoming the stranger, building a culture of inclusion, promoting the sanctity of all life, protecting creation, sharing God's mercy, and forming holy priests. 
Archbishop Laurie said he looks forward to bringing the prayers and support of God's people of the Archdiocese of Baltimore as the Pope celebrates this important milestone in his priestly ministry. For more information and to make a contribution to the spiritual bouquet, visit archbalt.org. Deacon Philip Harcum Jr., whose service to St. Bernardine Church in West Baltimore was so deep that its parish hall came to bear his name, died October 26 at age 93. A funeral mass was offered at the church November 2nd. Deacon Harcum was among the first black men ordained to the permanent diaconate for the Archdiocese of Baltimore in 1973, two years after its inaugural class had included Deacon Americus Roy. Deacon Harcum received that sacrament from Bishop Joseph Gossman at St. Gregory the Great Church, where, according to his funeral program, he had been among the founders of the men's club and its first president. At the time of his ordination, Deacon Harcum was a parishioner of St. Bernardine. Deacon Harcum inspired many others to lives of service and ministry. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm George Matisek. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek, digital editor for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. The Mid-Atlantic Congress, held annually at the Baltimore Hilton Hotel, is a leadership conference for today's Catholic pastoral and administrative leaders. The largest conference of its kind on the East Coast, it gives participants information on the latest trends and best practices in ministry, while also giving them the opportunity to renew their enthusiasm and energy for ministry and enrich their spiritual lives. Joining us to talk about this year's Congress, set for January 30th through February 1st, are John Romanowski, Executive Director of the Department of Evangelization for the Archdiocese of Baltimore, and Craig Gould, the Archdiocese Director of the Division for Youth and Young Adult Ministries. John and Craig, thanks for being here on Catholic Baltimore. 
It's good to be here. It's good to be here. So, John, could you tell us what the Mid-Atlantic Congress is all about? How did it get started, and what's the goal of the Congress? Well, I wasn't here when it started, but um, this will be our eighth annual coming up in uh, end of January, early February in 2020. Um, and it was really created to, um, to help form the leaders in the church um, for the 21st century and for the new evangelization that we're all called, called to uh, through our baptism. It really is a, a unique opportunity really nationally, but especially for um, for our part of the country. It's drawing around 60 dioceses um, from the eastern eastern U.S. And every year around 1,500 uh, church leaders, pastoral leaders, and catechetical leaders come from, from all over the place, especially across the Archdiocese of Baltimore, um, to be formed, to worship, to pray together, um, to really dig deep into our mission and to be better formed and equipped and inspired to carry out this mission today in, in 2019, 2020. What does it take to make disciples today? Uh, so that's really what it is, is to give us a chance to go deeper in our own call to missionary discipleship and also to go to go deeper and be more um, well-formed uh, to, to carry out our mission to make other missionary disciples. And that encompasses every facet of pastoral care and every facet of pastoral ministry, catechetical ministry, uh, evangelization, really. So it's a very comprehensive um, uh, Congress that's put together. Who are you encouraging to attend? Well, we really intend anybody who is um, in- engaged in, um, in ministry um, of any kind in the parish. And by that, I mean we have to understand that we're all called to, to some form um, of ministry. So from the pastor to the director of religious ed to the youth minister, the pastoral associate, but also the business manager, person who serves at the front desk at administration, we're all called to some kind of ministry, and there's something for everyone. And, of course, our schools are a big part of this, forming the next generation of disciples. So really those in our, um, in our local church, and again, across these many dioceses, who are being called to the mission to evangelize, to make disciples, to form disciples, uh, we, we're, we're inviting all of them to come and just partake of this incredible opportunity. Uh, of, of formation, and again, of that mutual support and inspiration and worship that, 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 that comes with gathering like this. And I know a lot of the participants have a lot of hands-on training. I've spoken to some people who have gone through the Congress last year and previous years, and they've actually enacted some of the things they've learned in their parishes. Maybe, Craig, could you tell us some of the workshops and hands-on training things that are going to be going on this year? Yeah, George, I'd love to. You know, it really starts right at the top. When you are the largest annual conference on the East Coast, uh, it's everything from beginning with the keynote speakers. So this year are Cardinal Tobin out of the Archdiocese of Newark, uh, Dr. Timon Davis, who speaks really eloquently uh, on especially ministry towards the African-American population, but out of her experience with that towards evangelization. So you've got everything from those large keynotes to intensives where folks can really dive down into something specific you want to talk about intercultural competencies, there's an intensive for that. Our Sunday visitors doing one on a church in crisis, so talking about really a way forward for laity especially in this time where the church is really moving out of a place of experiencing years of brokenness and of hurt and pain into healing, but also moving beyond that. GIA is doing something with praying and singing with kids, so you have really specific focuses like that. One of the unique aspects this year is we really wanted to highlight the four marks of the church, and that's the theme of this year's Congress, one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. And 
one of the ways that we did that was to choose four women to serve as mega workshop speakers. We really wanted to highlight the role that women are having on the church and the leadership role they're taking. And so we've been able to identify four incredible, outstanding women who are going to speak to the community on any number of those four different areas. Uh, so we have uh, Lisa Henley, who's the founder of CatholicMom.com. She's going to talk about holy. What does it mean to be holy in your families, right, as women? What does that mean? Sister Donna Chianjo is going to talk about, um, she's the, the Dominican sister from New Jersey, and she's the chancellor of the Archdiocese of Newark. And she's going to mean talk about what it means to be Catholic. What does it mean to be universal right now? Or about apostolic. We've got uh, Anna Marie Riley. She's chief of staff, executive vice president for strategy and operations for Catholic Relief Services. She's really going to talk about apostolic, that sense of mission, to go out. CRS does such a great job of being missional in their approach. She's going to speak to a lot of those opportunities of our church to be able to be missional. And then uh, Mar Munoz is going to speak. Uh, she's the executive director of the Secretariat for Cultural Diversity for the Bishops' Conference. What does it mean to be one, especially the diversity of our church? How can we maintain the robust and the beauty of being a diverse church while also being one church? So there are just so many ways, George, for folks to be able to engage themselves and their ministry at the Congress. You know, prayer is who we are as a faithful people. And so we don't just come together as any other group would come together to get in workshops and learn about new techniques and new styles. But we really come together as a body of Christ. As John said, from over 60 dioceses on the East Coast, to come together and pray together and be together as the body of Christ. So I know on Friday night, John and Gotti is going to be giving an incredible concert those opportunities are going to be really impactful. I think of especially Saturday. It's going to be such a multicultural presence. There's always a, a large community of the uh, number of the Hispanic community and the Asian Pacific Island community that joins together on Saturday. And the ability to pray and worship together in different languages just speaks to those four marks of the church really well. I just want to add one more thing, if, if I could, that this year we have a really exciting day for clergy lined up. Um, there was St. Mary's Press um, did a very revealing study called Going, Going, Gone, um, about how our young adults, the you know, so-called nuns, the ones who check the box for no religious affiliation, really um, they're not staying in the church if they grow up Catholic and they're not being attracted to the church. And so we, we, that study dug deeply into that to look at that whole challenge that we have. So Bob McCarthy from St. Mary's Press is going to be leading clergy on a, on a very special day on Friday, the, uh, January 31st, um, to really try to equip them to reach out to our young adults, to our you know, the millennials, uh, to the nuns, and to evangelize them and engage them and, and, um, and to, to catechize them and really make disciples with that, um, the young adults of today. So I think uh, we all experience that challenge in our churches today. And, um, this is going to be a unique opportunity, in particular for clergy. So we'd love to get the word out there and have as many priests uh, come participate as possible. And George, you know, we're also so excited to have the Archbishop to celebrate liturgy with us on Saturday. He's such a gracious host for this conference and really loves the time to be able to spend with the people here in this diocese and also those who come from everywhere else. And where is the Congress held? Uh, Congress is at the Hilton Hotel downtown on Packer Street in Baltimore. The Mid-Atlantic Congress is the largest conference of its kind on the East Coast and a joint effort of the Archdiocese of Baltimore and the Association of Catholic Publishers. Numerous publishers from across the nation will be present at the Congress, sharing the latest resources for parishes and providing a great opportunity to see what's available in the latest cutting-edge resources for ministry.
Once again, the Mid-Atlantic Congress will be held January 30th through February 1st at the Hilton Baltimore Hotel. For more information and to register, visit midatlanticcongress.org. Discounted early bird registration is available through December 1st. We thank John Romanowski, Executive Director of the Department of Evangelization for the Archdiocese of Baltimore, and Craig Gould, Director of the Division for Youth and Young Adult Ministries, for taking the time to talk with us today about the Mid-Atlantic Congress. We encourage you to check out the website at midatlanticcongress.org. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm George Matisek. Thanks for listening. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www. Archbalt.org. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator, who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our blessed mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.